ओम मंगलम गुरुदेवाय देवे मतृक्ष मंगलम मंगलम वक्ता वृंदेव्यो सर्वोकाय मंगलम ओम स्थापकाय चुर्म सेधर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतारवरिष्ठा राम कृष्णा मंगलम ओम सारशिव सरंभम शंकरचार्यमध्यम अश्मचार्यम वंदे गुरु परंपरम सो आफ्टर अ वेरी लॉन्ग टाइम रिटर्निंग टू एन ओल्ड टेक्स्ट नारद भक्ति सूत्र द लास्ट कपल मंथ वी बीन स्पीकिंग ऑन द चंडी बिकॉज ऑफ नवरात्रि बट वर पिकअप वी लेफ्ट ऑफ बिफोर आर बिफोर नवरात्रि स्टार्टेड and sri ramakrishna many times said that in kali yuga the the ideal uh, religion the ideal path to god is bhakti but he specifically naradiya bhakti the the bhakti taught by narada muni so we decided to investigate what is exactly did narada muni mean by bhakti so the first day most people weren't here but uh, narada's definition of bhakti is not regular love not regular devotion not regular commitment not regular emotion not regular attachment all the things we usually think of devotion or love it says parama uh, was it parama prema swarupa that was his definition that its nature its essential nature is supreme love right and that supreme love it's one way of saying para para also means another type of love or what you think of love para not that or beyond that a different way so uh this is many months ago we discussed this but we must remember that the goal of this text is how to develop this parama prema this parama prema called bhakti this supreme different type of love and so the last you won't remember but the last talk we gave on on narada bhakti sutra uh, um uh, narada was speaking about the three different categories of normal devotion not even normal love normal devotion we or by devotion here we mean like worship of god the different motivations he did three two different categories of three one is the three motivations mentioned in the gita right that is those who are some people worship god because they're suffering and they need help ma help us the lord help me right some worship god because they want stuff god another word god help me right, <laughs> right help me get a, 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 a let me uh let me become successful let me get a good job like this right and the third krishna mentions the gyani the one who worships god out of desire for knowledge so want to know the truth want to know what reality is right so krishna says all three of these are good they're all pious right they all have me as our goal for different motivations but but and but narada says actually the bhakti i'm talking about is not these three right because these three have motivation some motivation is there even a motivation to end suffering a motivation to get success or a motivation even to get knowledge right or or extended of knowledge is a motivation to get liberation to get freedom to get all these categ- all these different things and then he also mentioned the three triguna bhakti guna and according to the modes of nature the gunas so he says there is sattvika bhakti Sri Ramakrishna also talks very extensively about this. There's Satvika Bhakti, Rajika Bhakti, and Tamasika Bhakti, Tamas Bhakti. And uh, uh, of these, right, he says, of course, Satvik is Satvik Bhakti is best, right? Devotion, you know, it was a pure uh, intention. But even that is not 
parama bhakti is not this parama sarupa parama prema parama sarupam uh, parama prema sarupam right uh, uh, so in the Vaishnava literature from which uh, uh, that springs from the Narada tradition they develop this idea there is there is guna bhakti or vaidhi bhakti right so vaidhi bhakti is where is sadhana we do we according to we have some gunas that are predominant we try to overcome our selfishness overcome our past sins slowly slowly purify the mind focus on god that is you get usually it starts with uh, sadhana bhakti or vaidhi bhakti is given by guru or given by shastra do like you go to the temple every week you chant this mantra 108 times morning and evening you uh, uh, you do puja, you do prostration so many times, this type of thing. Keep, keep number, wash your mouth, eat prop, sit properly when you do your japa, do such pranayama, this practice. That's sadhana bhakti. But that's also not parama prema. It's not spontaneous, right? That comes from, uh, it may not be motivation. Motivation may be, who knows what the motivation is, but we're still, it's under the, un, un, it's still in a material atmosphere, material condition, right? So there's another term in the, in the bhakti tradition, they call it Raghunuga bhakti, or uh, nirgun bhakti, or mukya bhakti. Mukya here means foremost, right? Mukya, like pramukya. Actually, the word will come in these verses, pramukya. And that is devotion, that is at the cusp of this parama prema. This is devotion without any intention, because it's, you cannot help it. It's pure. It's, that, it's a... a, a, a like you don't have to convince a river to rush towards the ocean. It's its nature to rush towards the ocean. It cannot not rush towards the ocean, right? Once the blockages are removed, it will rush towards the ocean, right? So that's that uh, the that feeling of rushing without any motivation, without because you cannot help it, without any uh, uh, desire, without any selfish uh, motivation. That's that's uh, uh, nirgun bhakti or uh, parama bhakti. So it's picking up there. Right, these verses have mentioned the three three categories of bhakti. One is the three motivations mentioned in the Gita, right? The uh, desire for knowledge, desire for uh, wealth and success and pleasure, and the and uh, removing of suffering, right? And it mentions the three devotion, the three modes, the three gunas. And, uh, so then it starts, tri rupa bhanga purvakam. Purvakam means after, after what? After breaking the three. Tirupa. The three mean the three types of devotion. After, so it start real practice starts beyond that. So it's hard because we we have all kinds of motivations for worshiping Ma, for worshiping God, right? For doing sadhana, for following Guru, for doing yoga, for coming to the temple, whatever the devotional practices. We have many motivations, right? But like you know, Ma help me. Ma, we need help. Ma make me happy. I'm not happy. Ma help my family natural right uh, and that's okay because these are these are way to start this is how we start we get we like there's a book i mentioned this before it's a little book uh, uh, and uh, uh, called perfect questions perfect answers it's a um, a peace corps worker in india was interviewing uh srila Prabhupada, the Hare krishna guru right and 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 they're talking and he says well it's wrong that the person interviewing says it's very bad that people pray to god for money and Prabhupada says, no, prayer is always good. Right? That's not, why is that bad? Prayer is always good. And at least these people know, people who pray to God for money, at least people know, they know that God's the source of all of our wealth. Those who pray to God to remove suffering, they know only God can end our suffering. 
that's that's good. And prayer is always good, right? Says, but by that prayer, by by meditating on God, they become purified. Their selfish intentions become purified. Real devotion raises, and then they'll pray to God because it's their nature to love God and pray to God. So it's so even the three are good, but eventually the three lead to something beyond, right? This banga, trirupa banga. After breaking beyond the three forms of bhakti, trirupa banga. Says nitya dasa nitya kanta kanta pajanatmika prema karyam premaeva karyam. So, how should we worship? After going beyond those motivations and those modes, how should we worship? Nitya dasha. Nitya means all the time, right? Daily or all the time. It also means eternally or beyond time. It all four meanings, right? So, dasya. Dasya means as a servant, right? So we should just think, so we're just worship God, bhajanatmika, was the essence, the, the nature of our bhajana, the, the uh, essential part of our, to just be the mood of, just out of service. We're a servant, right? So a servant, of course, this is, we can, we were talking today over coffee that, that this idea of like, a servant has no motivation. It's his nature, he has to serve the master. It's his essential per, uh, position. He simply serves. That's his nature. So serve like that. He's not serving to get something. That's an that's a, 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 a that's a, it's a business transaction. As a, but of course, we can analyze. You know, there's a power structure that creates the idea of servitude, and we can we can uh, deconstruct this. But we're not. That's not the point being made here. The point is to get the essence of it. Where the other one's even more tricky to deconstruct or reconstruct, right? Uh, so just just uh, and the other one is what is it? Uh, Nitya Kanta. Kanta means to love, like a, uh, like Radha Kanta, the lover of Radha, right? Uh, so love as a lover. But here it's not. There's not. It, this means like a wife, or like a, a wife or husband. This type of love, right? Right. It also means the idea. This is a this is a gendered world in which this is coming from. It's not a discussion on those gender uh, constructions. It's a point being made. Is that the the wife simply serves the husband without any intention. Right, we can imagine how that's been constructed on the husband's benefit, right? There's a lot of stuff, but that's not the point. That's another. It's an interesting discussion, but it's not tonight's discussion, right? But the point of that is simply whatever it is, just simply love out of to serve because you have to serve, right? You know, like it, not like it, happy, not happy, benefit, not benefit. Because it's tricky because this is not, if we get into the realm of just simple psychology, we don't want to create like a codependence and, and martyrs, all kinds of stuff. That's not what's being discussed here. We have to, we have to uh, ignore the last 300 years of psychological <laughs> benefit, benefit analysis and go to what the intention is. The idea of just serving, right? And this, this, this uh, nitya dasa, nitya kanta means this comes from the, uh, the punch, pancha bhavas and bhakti. Right, it says there's many relationships we can have with God. So there's five, the, the bhakti scriptures describe, Vaishnava bhakti scriptures, the five, five primary bhavas, or moods, right? First is, you can start anywhere, but first is shanta. Shanta, means, shanta bhava means peaceful. This is like a rishi. God is the truth. I simply am conscious of it peacefully without any... Emotional agitation, right? Peacefulness. So the rishis are like this, right? We can see sometimes we're in, we're also sometimes in these moods, we're just, um, just uh, uh, resting in in conscious 
relation with God like this. That's Shantavab. I even have him written down here, I think. Yes. And the second one is Dasya. Dasya is one mentioned here, a servant. Right? The example always given of this is Hanuman. Hanuman is simply a servant. So Hanuman, what does Hanuman get from it? Right? What does Hanuman benefit from his service to Lord Ram? He has to serve Ram. His happiness is he gets happiness from serving. Not he doesn't get anything to make him happy. He's in pain. He's, he's not. Serving. He's not. Yes, yes, yes. He's in pain. Yeah, and it's suffering. It kills him not to serve. Mm. Right, it's his nature. So that that servant of master master servant uh, relationship. Uh, uh, shakya shakya is friend, right? Friend of God, right? That's a. We don't in the Christian world. We don't know exactly think like this, but there are examples in Christian mystics. An idea of God as our friend. But in you, in the Leela, like Krishna, Leela, Krishna has friends, right? He has a gopas, right? He has uh, he has his friends. Radha has her friends, her attendants and comrades, and uh, so you can have that relationship with and a friend. The nature of a friend, even if like with stories of Krishna, Krishna, what's when is Krishna's what's Krishna's best friend? Sudama, right? Sudama, Balaram's his brother is also a good friend, but Sudama, who Sudama? Sudama is a, is a poor. Brahmin cowherd boy, right? And Krishna is God absolute. So there is a slight variation, unbalance in, in power. Okay? Power, wealth, knowledge, wisdom, everything. Between two. Yeah, but they think they're equal. That's a quality of friendship. You become like equals, right? There's something about that. Where, where, where they wrestle and Sudama pins Krishna down into a headlock. It's that. You think you're God. Try to get out of this one. And Krishna can't get out of it. Right, this is a loving relationship. It's hard to understand, but there's that relationship with God. Right. Uh, uh. Then Vatsalya. Vatsalya is is you can think of God as your child, your son, or daughter. So an example of this is uh, Yashoda, right? Or Mary, you could think with Jesus or uh, Takur's mother, Chandramani, right? Chandramani, Takur's mother. Right, that because God acts as a child, but what's a child? A mother. Think about it, actually, it's very sweet. Actually, it's it's uh, it's each one of these. The idea of God's strength and power gets reduced as a master, the servant master. God's infinitely huge. I'm and I'm serving that. Right. There's a clear distinction, knowledge of God's power, right, or at least position, if not power. Right. Even if somebody's not power, I'm their servant. The higher position, a friend becomes, the power seems equal. Right, but a child, the power They're you're stronger dying. than that, in him, right? So, Krishna may or may not be God, but if we don't if we don't bathe him, he won't get bathed. If we don't feed him, he'll go hungry. This is uh, we'll have to protect him. We have to chant mantras and protect him, right? You know, it's a, that that uh, and actually, Yashoda prayed for this. She prayed, "I may have God as my son and not know that he is God, so I can love him better." Without any feeling of his, um, because if if, I, if I'm a powerful person, then you love me out of fear, or you love me out of respect, you love me out of uh, uh, of um, expectation, right? Whenever there's a power differential, there's a there's a self selfish motivation, is can mingle in there. Fear or motivation can mingle, but what's the motivation of mother to take care of its child, her child? She has no. It's her child, right? It's dependent, right? And it's very sweet. And you, I, many people here may know. Or maybe even be in this bhava or develop this bhava. We know from people that their, their relationship with Bala Lalaji, with baby Krishna, is so sweet, right? That that one uh, I mentioned this Brahmacharya Girish Chinmayananda Mission Samaji, 
um, his grandmother. He tells the story of his grandmother worshipped Lala. And every morning, she'd read to him for about an hour the Bhagavad Gita. Right? Because that was his school. Every day he had to go to school after, after bathing. Like, because when he gets older, he'll have to have this knowledge to speak to Arjuna. Right? He'll have to be able to speak Bhagavad Gita. So who is, if she doesn't teach him, who will teach him? And she knows that's absurd, but still she feels that. Right? And one of our friends up north, she's also does very nice Seva Puja, baby Krishna. We went to her house one night, and they had a picture of their guru. We did bhajans. It's like we're doing night. We went until 9 o'clock. She served out food. And I said, oh, Mataji, I've heard your lalaji. Your temple room is, we did it in the living room, the kirtan. Can we see? She says, oh, no, 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 no. Samaji, not possible. And he says, we're adults. We can stay up and chant. But he's a little boy. By 6.30, 6.30, he goes, he lights out. You know, he has a curfew. Right? He has to wake up early. He has to go to sleep early, right? And the absurdity of the statement is obvious, but still it doesn't matter. Or one happened here. One lady brought a dress for our lalaji. She made it. We still have it. It's very beautiful. It's very large. Definitely bigger than he. And it didn't fit him. And it was green sequins. I still still in the back cabinet, right? And so, and, and people bring, sometimes I just want to dress immediately so they still satisfy, oh, they saw my my thing get offered, right? And I put it on and it was twice as big. And I looked, Ma, it doesn't, it's a little big for him. Without missing a drop, she, a beat, she said, oh, he'll grow into it. <laughs> right? I don't think she realized what she said. <laughs> you always buy a baby something a little bit bigger, otherwise you're, waste, you're wasting money this way. You'll have to come back in two weeks to give him a new club. Right? So this is what Sally above, right? Because what happens, Sri Ramakrishna says in the beginning of devotion, you see God is, he's Ma Durga's 18 arms. Each one was a powerful weapon. Right? And what her sword is? Glistening with the fat of demons. You know, it's like it's, like it's about awe and power. Unlimited, countless trillions of universes coming from the pores of her body. It's like, this is... So how do you love that? Right? Or in the, Vish, the uh, Vishwarupa, Pirarupa mentioned Bhagavatam, where what Swami Chaitanya mentions a lot in the Bhagavatam also. One eye is a sun, one eye is a moon. Right? And fire is his mouth. Right? So, okay... Yeah, how do you love that being whose eyes, one eye is the moon, one eye is the, the, the sun, and fire is his mouth, right? You know, it's like, it's a tremendous, like this whole universe is a Vishuddha, but how do you love it, right? So that, that awe and reverence, as your, your love develops, Sri Ramakrishna says, the 18-armed Durga becomes a 10-armed Durga, becomes a 4-armed Vishnu, becomes a baby Krishna, right? Each one with less power, less power, and pretty soon, infinite power, but without any idea of power. Then more love comes. Right, it's a different. So this is Vatsalya, and so in Christianity and in our tradition of mother worship, Vatsalya is reversed. A, per, a permeation, permutation, 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 permutation. There's a word of of this uh, of this. Each one of these baba has many sub bhavas. You could imagine, right? So this is one is that of we're the child, right? So it, it was that child because also a, ch- a child thinks its mother and father is very powerful, but still that's. It's not full knowledge. It's not fully. We don't really know how powerful our mother is, right? We know that for us, she's everything, or he's everything, like that. But details we don't know. That's not the main thing, right? So that's we have that mother. So it's a reverse of the mother-child relationship, but Celia. and then the highest bab in the Vaishnava tradition is Madhuriya bab, right? That of, uh, of between lovers, right? And just like here mentioned, is Kantnitya Kanta Kanta. Uh, um, kanta is more a little more. Um, Tamed, right? This is like between uh, spouses, you could say, right? The lover, love between spouses, because within the love between spouses, there's a responsibility. You have to serve. 
you have responsibility, you have commitment. But Madhurya goes even deeper than that. It becomes, it's, it's an ideal, not, it's, the problem, these aren't materialists, I think these, our material relationships are, are hints at that spiritual relationship. Madhurya is that of, 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 of palomars, of, 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 uh, or and more illicit lovers, right? Radha and Krishna, Radha is married, not to Krishna, right? But nobody, nobody criticizes Radha for such behavior, or Krishna for such behavior, right? Because it's not, a, it's not a material relationship. This is a metaphor, you could say, uh, or we take it, the material mind, our material conceptions don't fit, right? But it's that, what does that mean? That, 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 that it's, um, because it's, in, 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 as spouses, you love and you serve, but with some idea of responsibility. But if you're just completely in love with somebody, in spite of everything, with everybody against you, you even know, maybe it's even wrong to love, but still you love. That means that that means there's no there's no uh, no sense of awe, no sense of motivation. It's just all encompassing. So that's given in his ideals, the gopis and the like. This Madhuriya That's also mentioned in the Bible, continue, uh, in the Book of Psalms, not the Book of Psalms, Book of uh, Song of Solomon. Solomon, right? It's a, a very romantic poem, but it's taken to be a poem between the soul and God. And it's been reinterpreted as a church in Jesus, but it's really. It's uh, all the mystics are, uh, scholars also say it's really about the soul. It's a love poem between the soul and God. God is a lover, and even Catholic nuns they marry Jesus, right? They're the spouses. They wear a wedding ring. They marry Jesus. That that type of so externally they're chaste virginal ladies, right? But internally they're the lovers of Jesus. They have that relationship. They're married to him. So like this, so here's only giving two hints, Nitya Dasa and Nitya Kanta. You can also say Nitya Shanta, Nitya, some, but some beyond the three, develop, let your worship be like this. But Nitya, all the time, unbroken, either all the time, unbroken, beyond time, or daily. All four meanings of Nitya. All of them fit, right? So practice it or live that like this. Nitya, Nitya Kanta, Bhajanatmika, Bhajanatmika. Then it says, Prema Karyam Pramaiva Karyam. Prema, love, Karyam. Karyam, how would you define? Like, manifest it. Right? Manifest, do it out of love. So, worship Bhajana with the mood of all the, uh, my Ami's ter- eternal servant or his eternal lover, or eternal spouse, some like that. But, but Prema Karyam. In prema eva karyam. So do it out of love. Do it only out of love. It repeats it twice. And we talked about in the but in the sutra, you don't. Re- it says every time you remove a syllable, the gods become ecstatic. In, 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 brevity is a, not the soul of wit; it's the soul of the soul, right? In sutras, every word you, the minimum word you to repeat a word is very important. And and Narada, either he's very bad at writing sutras, or he's doing this for a really good reason. When he when he says something twice, it's for a really huge underline, right? Right. So prema karya prema karam pramayeva karyam, right? Do it out of love. Do it only, solely out of love, right? So and I was thinking, and I wrote some uh, some you know distressed, unfa- unfulfilled desire, seeking knowledge, three gunas. You know, five bhava shanta. I had these on my notes, right? And then, I, then, then I remembered this this idea of this going beyond the threefold categories, right, of, of devotion. What real love is the essence of this verse. Then I remembered Swami Vivekananda in his Bhakti Yoga. 
which is one of the masterpieces in spiritual literature. Everything Swamiji spoke is a masterpiece in spiritual literature. But he also, in his Bhakti Yoga talks, Swamiji didn't really write, right? He spoke, and then somebody transcribed, and from that, those were edited and put into books, right? He was a, and he never, he didn't speak with notes, and he never repeats himself. So we have nine volumes of unplanned, non-repetitive, original, and it's all original. Nobody's ever said these things before, in this way before, right? So he also is taking the essence of this. Actually, some of you can also, if you, if you read Bhakti Yoga, he's, all the main points of the Narada Bhakti Sutra are being talked about. But he never, he barely mentions it. At the end, he, he, he gives a, a running, a loose translation of Bhakti Sutra, but it's the structure from which he's speaking on Bhakti Yoga. Very interesting. But he's also saying, what is it, what real love is? What real devotion is? He, so there's a, there's, a, there's a chapter called The Triangle of Love. It's a short 22 two pages. I won't read all the whole thing. But he says, we may represent love as a triangle, each of the angles of which corresponds to one of ins inseparable characteristics. There can be no triangle without its three angles. And there could be no true love without the three following characteristics. The first angle of the triangle is love is that love knows no bargaining. Right? This is uh, uh, usually I love you. I mean, we, this is true. He's talking even of human love. What to speak of divine love? This is a this is a platform to talk about bhakti. Even regular love is I love you. Uh, if you give me the I love you this much, you give me this much. Right? Give and take. Right? This is bargaining. Love knows no, real love is not bargaining. So it's not in our loving relation, our seemingly loving relationship, things we call love in the material world, it's all barter, right? Uh, you see, you tr try, all of a sudden somebody stops responding. What do you do? Everything's broken, right? You love out of, without any motivation, or as soon as you don't get what you want out of the relationship, then the relationship breaks, right? That's, that mean that's based upon this bargaining, right? Love knows no bargaining. Whenever there, Swamiji says, whenever there is any seeking for something in return, there cannot be any real love. It becomes a mere matter of shopkeeping. So long as there is in us any idea of deriving this or that favor from God in return for our respect and allegiance to Him, there can be no true love growing in our hearts. Those who worship God because, of, because they wish Him to bestow favors on them are, sh are sure not to worship Him if those favors are not forthcoming. Right, you know, we, we worship God to pray, and we don't get the thing, so I stopped worshiping. It didn't work, right? But this this religion thing doesn't work. I prayed, I didn't get what I wanted, so it doesn't work. Does that include when maybe a tragedy happens? So someone says, "Oh, I don't, I, how can I worship God now?" That's yeah. That's this is the extension of this, right? Because at least we want we want a comfortable material life, minimally, right? That's uh, we uh, now there's a whole gospel of of of, of wealth. In the name of Jesus, or people are praying, you pray to Jesus, and then he'll bless you. And bless you means money. Therefore, you pray to Jesus, you get money. Right? Jesus, who said the exact opposite in every, in every word, right? But now, I mean, you can see everything gets twisted like this, right? That's proof. You know, it's like you have faith, and he'll give you, he'll bless you. And if he blesses you, it means money, right? That's proof that God loves you, and that, you, that your that worship is correct, right? Which also, and this comes out of a very twisted... Uh, um, uh, I won't know, it's another history of... of, 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 of Reformed Christianity won't go into it, but uh, <laughs> it's a different a topic for a different day or a different venue. Maybe one day. Um, the Bhaktas love the Lord because He is lovable, right? So I love you because 
you're lovable. You love God because He's lovable. She's lovable. It's lovable. Mm. There is no other motive originating or directing the divine emotion of the true devotee. Right. Then he tells a story. This is a story he heard from Sri Ramakrishna. He tells it, I know Swami Vivekananda flair, a little bit different, but it's a good story. It's very important. One of the, Sri Ramakrishna tells the story again and again. We have heard that, uh, that a great king once went to a forest, and there he met a sage. He talked with the sage a little, and was very much pleased with his purity and wisdom. The king then wanted the sage to oblige him by receiving a present from him. The sage refused to do so, saying, The fruits of the forest are enough for me food for me, the pure stream of water flowing down from the mountains give enough to, for me to drink, the bark of trees supply my enough of a covering, and the cave in the mountains form my home. Why should I take any present from you for, or from anybody? The king said, Just to benefit me, sir, please take something from my hands, and please come with me to the city and to my palace. After much persuading, the sage at last consented to do as the king desired, and went with the king to his palace. Before offering the gift to the sage, the king prayed to God repeatedly, O Lord, give me more children. Lord, give me more wealth. Lord, give me more territory. Lord, keep my body in better health, and so on. Before the king finished saying his prayers, the sage got up and quietly walked out of the room. On seeing this, the king became perplexed, began to follow him, crying aloud, Sir, holy sir, why are you going away? You have not received any gift. The sage turned round and said to him, I do not beg from beggars. Right? You are yourself nothing but a beggar, and how can you give me anything? Anything? I am no fool to think that taking anything from a beggar, to think of taking anything from a beggar like you, go away, do not follow me. The way Sri Ramakrishna tells the story, he says, I don't beg from beggars. Right? If I want to beg, I'll, I'll ask God directly. Right? But this idea that we're begging from God, right? that is not the same, it is not devotion. It's a type of devotion. It's not not devotion, right? but it's not the devotion that Narada is trying to get us to focus on. Right? Uh, in this story, is well brought out the distinction between mere beggars and real lovers of God. Begging is not the language of love. That's one of Samadhi's great statements. Begging is not the language of love. To worship God even for the sake of salvation or for any other reward is equally degenerate. It means I worship God and I'll go to heaven. Or I worship God and become saved. Or to, uh, even that is, it's something, but it's not the highest thing. Are you still trying to get something? We quote many times sitting here that Rabia, Rabia mm -hmm. the Muslim female saint, and we know she wrote and spoke many things, but she didn't write, she spoke many things, but not many things were passed down. We only have a few uh, uh, quotes, a few couplets of hers, right? One of which says that, O Lord, if I worship, O Allah, if I worship you to get paradise, deny me paradise. And if I worship you to avoid hell, burn me in hell. Right? She says, uh, but if I worship you out of, out of love for you, you please accept me into your arms, right? The other one she says, that the other Greek one, is that I, in one hand I carry, like Ma carries a sword and a severed head. She, she says, in one hand I carry a torch, in the other hand a bucket of water. With the torch I shall burn down heaven, burn paradise. And with the water I shall put out the fires of hell. And then we can see what religion is. Right? Beyond fear and, and, and reward. Right? It's not that hell, hell and heaven exist, unfortunately. It deludes. Ramavivakana said, it'd be better if heaven and hell didn't exist, and we could, our foolish little dreams would break sooner. But they do, and so we have to deal with it. 
and that pollutes our, our, our understanding of God. Right? So it's not that they don't exist. They don't exist, but they're not shouldn't be the motivation for anything. Right? The karmic 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 realities only. Right? <clears throat> Rewards equally. Love knows no reward. Love is always for love's sake. The bhakta, the devotee, loves because he cannot help loving. Love is always oh no. When you see some beautiful scenery and fall in love with it, you do not demand anything in a way of a favor from the scenery, nor does the scenery demand anything from you. The Shantabhavala, you think about it, you, you fall like, oh, I love, the, I love the ocean. What do you get from the ocean? What will it give you? Right? You know, this is a hint at that. We, have, we all have that experience. Right? Yet the vision of it brings you the blissful state of mind. It tones down all the fric- friction in your soul. It makes you calm, almost raises you for the time being beyond your mortal nature and places you in a condition approaching divine ecstasy. This nature, of re- this nature of real love is the first angle of the triangle. Ask not anything in return for your love. Let your position be always that of a giver. Give your love unto God and do not ask anything in return from Him. Not easy, but this is the goal. The second, tri- second leg of the triangle. So, love knows no, what's the first one? Knows no bargaining, right? Love knows no fear. That's the other one, love knows no fear. Those who love God through fear are the lowest of the devotees, Swamiji says, not fully developed men. They worship God from fear of punishment. Love me or I'll kill you. Love me or I'll hurt you, right? How is that, how is that, or, you know, Love me, right? You see, I mean, on TV you see this all the time. It's like, you know, like, like how, like, I'm forced out of fear. How is this possible, right? But how much of religion is motivated by this, right? I mean, uh, uh, uh. It's Ravana. <laughs> love me, love. Uh, so, wanting heaven, wanting stuff, wanting happiness, or just love, or or not wanting, you know, uh, fear that if you if you don't worship God. Then you'll be punished, right? Uh, 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 today we uh, we were joking this morning. This I, you know, yesterday, yesterday morning, or this morning, this is uh, I have a, a sad thing to admit. Somebody posted. I think you, no, who posted it? Was something about a religious test on world religion? Somebody posted the thing, right? And uh, uh, they did it. So it's a question about different religions, right? To see whether or not how what your knowledge of world religions, other religions are. Right. It turns out the people who 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 scored highest are atheists. <laughs> atheists know more about religions than people, religious people, because they only you only know most people only know what their religion is, nothing about anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Right. They're fearful of even having that polluting knowledge of other religions. Yeah. Right. But an atheist looks at everything and 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 as proof of the stupidity of religion or something. <laughs> so they have knowledge. Right. So I want to test. I have a degree in religious. I want to test my 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 knowledge of world religion. I've been, it's been a while since I've. Now I study these books, but at one time I knew I knew something about other religions, right? I got a degree in this, right? And I did I did perfect except for one question, right? Right? And I was a question. I even have to write it now. Jonathan Edwards, right? He was a, a, a important minister. It was a question about him, and I didn't know the answer, so I had, then I had to educate myself on something. Cause I don't know. I didn't study early American religion. That wasn't my topic, right? Later relig- American religion I know, but early religion. This is during the colonies, right? Uh, um, uh, so in, he, he, he founded what they call the Great Awakening. That I remember, the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is, is a mainstream Christianity now comes from the Great Awakening. 
right? Because now generally when you think of evangelical Christianity, right, it's not like in the Catholic tradition, salvation came from, from, from proper belief, right, and through the sacraments, proper action, right? The sacraments uh, connect us to God, right? This is baptism, Eucharist, forgiveness of sins, either if you, everybody here knows, I may or may not know, and, or it's faith and proper belief, proper belief in dogma, right? But he changed, he, the, the, uh, Jonathan Edward, he, he, he shifted this to an emotional immediacy, right? So it's not what you believe, it's not what you do. It's what you, what you feel. This is the born-again experience, that I'm going, to, I'm going to hell, right? And, and But Jesus will save me, right? So out of that fear comes the relief of, of the redemption, right? So this is the, and so that's been, that's permeated, it changed the history of world religion, definitely changed religion in America. So he gave, it's, it's, this is the stuff I looked up recently, so I'm not an expert, I became an expert of it as of <laughs> 11 o'clock this morning, I became a very big expert on early Christianity, right? <laughs> but uh, at least I'm admitting where my expertise comes. But uh, 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 he gave uh, 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 his most famous sermon. We have the date on July 8th, 1741. This is where the whole modern American Christianity comes from. And the title of the sermon is Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Right? So think about what that starts with. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Scary. Right? And his thing is that 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 we are sinners. Right? We're intrinsically bad. Right? Not even for something we did. Right? It's who we are. Because even if you're born, you're born a sinner, right? Right, in this idea. And we're intrinsically bad. And God has legitimately, due to divine justice, He legitimately hates us. He wants us to suffer. He, he's waiting to make us suffer. Right, this is, I mean, this is absurd, but this is, this is a view. Right? And He wants us to suffer. And then, and He wants, I mean, we deserve to go to hell. Hell's real. We deserve to go, and we can go any second. We don't have to wait. I mean, we're already, the anger God has when he throws something into hell and the anger he has for us now, not in hell, is the same. Right? No, that, these, are, these are point for point. You can read it. You can look it up. Right? It's a very scary sermon. Right? Sins in a, sins, uh, uh, he gave it three, four times. Whenever there was a community in the colonies that didn't accept this view, the ministers would invite him, you come preach to my congregation. He'd read the, give the same sermon. And the whole town would, so scared that they accept the, that emotional response of... of, of of a new form of worship. He must have had like some Vox City or something. He had, no, he's, yeah, these are powerful. He's, he's an important, I mean, he's, he's, who knows who he was. He, he changed history, you know, right? He, yeah, but, uh, so, we're definitely going, we deserve to go to hell. We're going to hell. Even now, we could go to hell, right? So God, it's, we're sinners and God's angry with us, right? So he wants, so, but, there's somebody who will save us, right? And so if you call to him and you accept his salvation, then you're clear. So imagine if you actually start to think and we build this, we build this structure. I'm a sinner. This, the wages of sin is death. Even now, I'm supposed to go to hell. Even now, when I die, I'll definitely go to hell, right? You know, it's like, think about it. If, if we really accept this, imagine. It's hard for us to accept it. Even as a, as a philosophical idea, we almost can't accept it. It's not intrinsic. But imagine if you really accepted this, right? And therefore, accept this, accept, uh, worship Jesus, accept it, and you're free. Whew. That was close, right? <laughs> I almost, I could have died unsaved, right? There may, the thing is, 
it may be true. I don't. I, I can't say that that's that these things aren't true. What he said is not true. Maybe we are sinners. Maybe we we deserve to go to hell, and God wants us to go to hell. And Jesus accepting Jesus stops us from going to hell. But this isn't love. That's not the motive. That's the point. Even if it's true, this isn't love, right? And so there's many Christians, many Christian saints that believe these points, but this is not why they love Jesus. They love Jesus because he's lovable. They love God because they have to love God. Right? Even if they believe this or not believe. We don't believe this, other people believe this. doesn't matter what, but it, it, that's not the, 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 the point here Swamiji is asking is a motivation. Right? Love can never come out of fear. Right? Now, and then Swamiji makes a nice point. I don't think I read the whole thing. I don't know if I can find it with my glasses today. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. This, uh, um, they worship God of fear of punishment. To them, he is a great being with a whip in one hand and a scepter in the other. They are afraid that if they do not obey him, they will be whipped. It is a degradation to worship God through fear or of punishment. Such worship is, if worship at all, the crudest form of worship through love. So long as there is any fear in the heart, how can there be love also? And then another one of those great statements of Swamiji, love conquers all fear naturally. Then he gives an example. So that's a name. Love destroys fear. Then Swamiji gives an example. Uh, uh, think of a young mother in the street in the dark and a dog barking at her. She is frightened and flies into the nearest home. Right? But suppose the next day she is in the streets with her child and a lion springs on the child. Was she, where would she be now? Of course, in the very mouth of the lion, protecting the child. Love conquers all fear. Right? A mother who would be scared of a barking dog will, will attack a lion to save, to save somebody. So if the nature of love is to destroy fear, because it destroys separation, there's a secret, another 20, 30 pages ahead in Swamiji's talks, right? That the nature, the reason love works is because it destroys the sense of the, the falsehood of separation. But its nature is to destroy fear. So if love is based off of fear, if it doesn't deter fear, then it's not the highest level of love. Right, the second thing of the triangle. Love knows no bargaining. Love knows no fear. Right? Uh, I'll read a few more lines because it's good. The small... Uh, fear, love conquers... Fear comes from the selfish idea of cutting oneself off from the universe. The smaller, the more selfish I make myself, the greater my fear. If a man thinks he is mere nothing, fear will surely come upon him. But think about this lecture. Sinners in the, in the hands of a fearful, of, 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 of an angry God. Right, starts not an angry God. Why should uh, like like why should we be scared of an angry God? Because we're sinners. We we think small, right? If you think yourself small and cut off and weak, then you're fearful, right? Swami Vivekananda at the beginning of this book, his first talk he gave in America, where he says, um, he says, "Oh, children of immortality," right? He's quoting the Upanishad, "Amrita Putra." It's a term in the Upanishad, children of bliss, children of immortality, children of immortal bliss, right? He says, oh, let me call you by this noble name. Right? He says, it is a sin to call a man a sinner. That's another one of Samadhi's great aphorisms. A sin to call a man is, is a li- uh, standing libel against human, on human nature. I forget the exact, I don't have, I have it, but I'm not going uh, uh, to, because we're divine. We, Vedanta starts and, and the Vedas start, is a different conception. We're divine. Right? Doesn't mean there's no such thing as sin. And maybe we've done mistakes that cause painful karmas, close our heart, cause make make us more selfish. Out of selfish behavior, we commit more selfish activity that has painful reactions, close our heart more. There is such thing, right? But that's not who we are, 
right? Our essential nature is divine. So Swami Vivekananda redefines religion, not as belief, not as practice, not his definition of religion, to manifest our divinity. Divinity already latent in man, you manifest that, that is religion. Right? What a beautiful definition, right? The divinity, you're already perfect, bring it out. Or Swami Shivananda, his favorite, my favorite line, thou art divine, live up to it. That's spiritual life. First start, you're divine. Second part, live up to it. Therefore, if we're divine, then our action should be divine. Right? Our behavior should be, our thinking should be divine. Our relationship should be divine. Our jobs should be divine. Our diet, should, everything should be divine. But then what about sin? Right? Should we feel horribly guilty and miserable because of something bad we did? No, we should be embarrassed because we're divine. Right? It's below our dignity. Not because we're bad, we should feel bad. Because we're good, we should feel bad. Right? A, a noble person doesn't think of noble. All it takes is a mother going, oh, this, you're my child and you do like this? Oh, no child of mine. You know, that, that's really what it is. We're child of the divine mother, children of immortality. Right? And we behave in a, a noble way. So you can see we also take but from a different perspective. Right? Start with a different... So if you start big, start connected, not separated and weak, then where is fear? Nobody can scare you into anything. Scare you into worship, into obedience, into buying, into following, all these things. I mean, you can, now we can expand it, we can reconstruct this world and get into our modern television. Just took on the news and you can see what, what happens when you think we're small, separate, and weak, and fearful, right? But this is not, uh, Samaji said, it's not the case. Do not... Uh, uh, um, If a man thinks that he is a mere nothing, fear will surely come upon him. And the less you think of yourself as an, as, and the less you think of yourself as an insignificant person, the less fear will there be in you. So long as there is the least spark of fear in you, you can there cannot be real love. Love and fear are incompatible. Great definitions. God is never to be feared by those who love him. Love and God is never to be feared by those who love Him. The commandment: Do not take the name of the Lord, the Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The true lover of God laughs at this. How can there be any blasphemy in the religion of love? The more you take the name of the Lord, the better for you. In whatever way you may do it, you you are only repeating His name because you love Him. Right. So for a lover, this this there's no such thing as taking it in vain. Other people may take it in vain, but a love, one who loves God doesn't take it in vain. So the first is knows no bargaining. Second, loves no fear. Third one. The third angle of the triangle of love is that love knows no rival. All right, this is interesting. For, for in it is always embodied the lover's, for in it is always embodied the lover's highest ideal. This means that you cannot love, what Jesus said, you cannot love both God and mammon. Right or the Book of John, it says that he who loves, uh, uh, oh, uh, he who loves the things of the world, the thing love of the Father is not in him. This means that there cannot be two objects of your love. Who are you loving? Right when you love, and so Swamiji says it's the highest ideal. Your highest ideal, the the self of the universe. When you realize that's the object, then there's then there's no there's not you can't love two. You can only love the one. Right? It's not that you love, I, I love Amrikananda, so, and I, I don't care about anybody else. No, the one I love, I see in everybody, perhaps. 
right? That we always hear, like, uh, um, um, many years ago, before uh, my first time in Calcutta, I got to meet Mother Teresa, a famous personality. And you're thinking, oh, she must be, in, she must be a cosmic being. Who's like, I found her completely normal and totally human, right? But then you, then you begin to read her teaching. She says, actually, the person in front of me is Jesus. And I don't worship the universal Jesus. I worship this Jesus. Still, she worships, who she's serving is the one. She's not dissipated. She, has not, she doesn't have two ideals, two objects of her love, right? The Bible, Ikhlamaji quotes, the Bible says, I am a jealous God, have no other gods before me. We can interpret this in a limited way or think. There can be no second God. If you love God, you only love God, right? And if you love everybody, you love God, the one ideal in everybody. Huh? Yeah, the, the bench, the sculpture today. Yes, that's a thing. <laughs> yes, uh, love and... Uh, uh, He's talking about, I don't know if you saw on YouTube or on, on, on Yahoo or something, where the Pope, somebody gave the Pope a, a new image of Jesus, that he tried to, a famous artist tried to give this, this image, statue of Jesus to several cathedrals, they didn't accept it, right, because it was a, a homeless man on a bench, sleeping on a bench, right, wrapped in a blanket, but his, feet, his bare feet are sticking out and they have the wounds of Christ, right, so it's like, because Jesus said, I am hungry, did you feed me, I am like... And so the Pope immediately accepted, and of course this particular Pope has an orientation towards, towards the poor, right, and gave it his blessing and like that. But, but that's that type of thing, is that, that's the, that the real essence of, of this teaching in Christianity is that, it's that you love me, right, and everything. And what did uh, 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 love Jesus said? To love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, right? Love knows no rival. For, for in it is always embodied the lover's highest ideal. True love never comes until the object of our love becomes to us our highest ideal, the one thing we want, the one being we want. Only man may see his ideal. One man may see his ideal in the vilest of beings and another the highest of beings. Nevertheless, in every case it is the ideal alone that is truly the in, and intensely loved. The highest ideal of every man is called God. Ignorant or wise, saint or sinner, man or woman, educated or uneducated, cultivated or uncultured, to every human being the highest ideal is God. The synthesis of all the highest ideals of beauty and sublimity the, and of power give, give us the completest conception of a loving and lovable God. This is the term Bhagavan, all great qualities mixed together. Omni-wonderful, one of my friends said. In one of my classes, we were discussing the, the idea of a worshipable God, like omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, omni-wonderful. It means all great qualities, make him lovable, right? So, and actually, St. Anselm, he defined God into existence by saying, the highest possible thought is God, right? Whether that God exists, that can't be, we discussed it, whether that can be proved or not. But the highest idea, that's the ideal. The highest possible ideal, that's God. And when you love that, that's... You cannot be a second to this. Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll because these are we've gone way off our original text, right? But the the point is still this is this is almost better <laughs> because Swamiji is giving a modern modern psychological interpretation to to Narada's point, right? That beyond selfish desire, beyond fear and reward, we find beyond this we have to start loving like a servant, like a lover, right? And what's what's the term? Prima karyam, pramaeva karyam. Love, and l love, but love only for love's sake, right? Love knows no 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 rival, knows no bargaining, knows no fear. Love for love's sake. Verse two. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
the other ones aren't so complicated. This is a big, <laughs> the big, but this is the point. The, the rest is commentary. Ultimately, this is it. Love God with out of love. Love out of love. Right? Love for love, not for any selfish intention. Bhakti ekanino mukya. Sorry. Bhakta ekantino mukya. Mukya means, here means highest. Mukya means face, but it means like head. That's a better term. Like, like Pramukya Swami is the head of the organization. Right? That, that, that saint, right? Means, uh, Pramukya means president. Like, like the, the foremost, or for, head foremost highest. Bhaktiya. Who's the highest bhakta? Who's the highest bhakta? Ek, ekantino. One who is single-minded. Right? So what does single-minded mean? The initial idea of single-minded means one who only thinks of one thing. Right? Nandi. Right? Nandi. Hmm? Nandi. Nandi is a perfect example of single-minded, right? That's one thing. One who's who has no doesn't lose his concentration. Only th- like for instance, I can be single-minded. Like oh, and you can, so some people can say like a religious fanatic could be single-minded. I don't know. I only worship. You know, it's like uh, no Ram is the only thing. I don't don't talk to me. I don't care about my family. I don't care about this world. I don't care about other gods and goddesses. I simply worship Ram. I simply worship Jesus. Right, that could be single-minded. That's also helpful. It's a, it's a way of focusing meditation. Right, that's important. But here, single-minded means, means that he only only knows one thing. Right, so he may see many things, but he sees only one thing. That's single-minded. Right, so that's like that Jesus on the bench. Right, you know, it's like so. If I if I'm talking, if I love you and I see you because I love I, because I'm only thinking of God, not that I think of God and I ignore you. Even if I know you, I'm only thinking of God. Everybody I love is because of God. Not that I don't love anybody but God. I don't only I only love God, right? That's it's a mysterious thing because the saints are not selfish beings, right? How how can you be one pointed, and have love no no uh, no uh, rival and still love everyone, which it seems to be the goal perhaps, or at least one of the symptoms of a great saint is they have universal love. All moving and unmoving things. Unmoving, yeah, because he loves the one. When you love, he only sees the one. Right, right. When somebody asks Srila uh, 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 um, Prabhupada, quoting Srila Prabhupada again, he's a reporter, "Are you enlightened?" And he says, "Well, this is not a traditional question. You're not supposed to ask somebody, are you enlightened?' Because if they say yes, that means you should reject that guru immediately. They're claiming to be enlightened. That's and, and against the script. If they say no, you should reject the guru. What are you doing following a non-enlightened guru? Either you're following a, uh, 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 you're either if they say yes, he's either delusional or a crook. And if he says no, then the wrong guru anyway. It's not qualified. <laughs> right? So it's not an appropriate question. <laughs> right? Uh, 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 somebody asked uh, Swami Chidananda, one of our teachers, this question, and he said, I, don't, I myself don't know how to answer that question. It's not an appropriate question, but I also don't know how to answer that question. He avoided the question, right? But Prabhupada, he, kept, he, said, oh, he said like that, I, if I answer, it's not appropriate, well, but, but I need to know if you're enlightened. And he says, but if I told you yes or no, it wouldn't have any meaning. Yes, but still, my readers and you're important to just leave, you know, like pushing, pushing. Finally, he said, okay, yes, I'm enlightened. He wrote that. Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami is enlightened, right? Now he knows he's enlightened. <laughs> but Prabhupada's looking at him and he says, so do you know what this means? And he goes, and he says, no. <laughs> right? It means that everywhere, everything I see, I see only Krishna. That's like the one, the one he loves, he only sees Krishna. You see everything, I see only Krishna. Right, that's the definition. So that this is what this means. The highest devotee sees only one thing. Either it means, sometime in sadhana we could only see one thing, that's called meditation, at the exclusion of all else. But it also, so this is between sadhana and siddhi. Sadhana is a practice, just to meditate on God. 
through mantra or even like that. But Siddhi, when it's perfected, and you see only God everywhere, right? Right. Like the Sadhana and Siddhi, just see, I'm good at this. <laughs> only thinks, guys, I said, only thinks, there's two things. Only thinks of God to the exclusion of all else, or, or and, or, sees only God while thinking of all else, right? Thinks only God. Now, what's, an, what's another inference? This, this, this Mukya Bhakta, the highest Bhakta, the ideal, the saints we follow and the saints we want to become, they see only God. They have one pointed mind. And, Kantavarada, uh, Roma, what's the word here? Lapa Manaha. Lapa Manaha? Conversing. That's a good way of saying it. Like talking or conversing, teaching, discussing. This is the word for that. When they discuss these things, they talk about God, right? Either amongst themselves, right? Devotees like to talk about God. Or, out of compassion, they also try to share about God, right? Like we're giving talk and we're listening like this, right? They are kanta avarodha. Their throat becomes choked. This is a symptom, right? Roma, Roma, their hair stands on end, erect. Goosebumps, right? Stand erect, right? What is it? Ashrubhi, uh, and tears come, right? How did I translate this? Sharing with one another, with throat throat choked, hair standing on end, and tears flowing. Right? This is this is this is one of the symptoms, right? Such great devotees, when they talk about God amongst themselves or with or to instruct. Right, this is one. Of, these are the symptoms. These are called sattvika bhavas. They mentioned the scriptures, the symptoms of devotion, of high devotion. Right, but when this happens, they pavayanti kulani. They purify their family. They bring purity to their whole lineage. Right, and prithivimcha, and also the earth. They purify their family and they purify the earth, right? The great devotees speaking about God, their their throats get choked, tears flow from their eyes, uh, uh, hair stands at end, and 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 those devotees, they they very, they purify their very lineages, their ancestors become purified, their descendants will become purified, their whole family, whole kula, uh, 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 and the very earth where they are becomes purified, right? So this lopa, this lapa manaha, this talking, this is both uh, the devotees only want to talk about God. That's one symptom of devotion, right? You want to talk about God. And Krishna says in the Gita, the thoughts of my devotees dwell in me. Machita matkata prana. I used to know it. Swami Chaitanya made us remember it, but I'm forgetting it just now. Uh, you know this machita. Uh, it's chapter 10, verse 9. 9, okay. 10. nine, nine 10, 11, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it starts, the thoughts of my devotees, machita, um, the thoughts of my devotee think of me. Their lives are absorbed in me. Right? And, they, and they derive great tushtanti, ramanti, become satisfied and blissful talking about me. Right? That, that's a symptom. Of the, that's, what, that's a symptom. You talk about God, you become, and you think about God and talk about God, and like, then you become satisfied and happy. Tushtati cha, ramanti cha. Right, satisfied, and I remember half the. I remember a few words. I remember how to how to put them together into a coherent sloka. But <laughs> it's another thing. Uh, 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 this is one of the symptoms, right? And and so, but also then the devotees 
the saints, the great devotees, they also, out of compassion, they want to they want to tell us about God, right? They get happiness, but it's not like out of superiority telling people who don't know. They want to why? Because they have a ekanta. They only think of one God, right? So they want to awaken the one they loves in everyone's heart. They want to awaken it, right? So the the preaching of the great saints isn't out of superiority. It's out of love. It's also because it's their worship. I know I remember that one. That's one saint. So Michigan, he also say out of uh, he before I give his talk, worshipable homage to the one supreme being in everyone's heart, that he accept these small uh, my worship through a few words, right? So you, my supreme Lord, in, embodied in everybody, accept this worship, these flowers of a few words of adoration, and then he just, and then he described the scriptures, right? This is that even teaching is a, an act of worship of the deity that exists in everyone's heart, right? Right. Then, subsequent. Then, 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 a few points I want to mention here: standing of hair, choking. These are called sattvika bhavas. So, sattvika bhavas. It's tricky because these are the symptoms of devotion. It comes through extreme, but they're also the symptoms of emotion. And emotion, and devotion, is not the same thing. They're also the uh, the symptoms of delusion, right? You know, <laughs> or of 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 um, of. of it's, uh, scoundrel uh, of of a fake or of a. a Right, I can like if I want to show somebody what a great devotee is, like I'll talk about oh my, you know, you know I could I can immediately start like and people oh my God you see Swami got so emotional he talked about God he choked up, right he must be a great devotee. Yeah, yeah, that's an example, right, right. Hopefully, hopefully, won't listen to this But we we know like so so while these symptoms, they're symptoms, they're not evidence. Right, that's the thing because you could actually in in the in the devotional tradition there shouldn't be cheap, right? So I was I was thinking today some of Vivekananda, he one time saw some disciple of Ramakrishna in 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 the room and he was trying to generate because he saw Sri Ramakrishna had I mean, you know his eyes would swim in tears, his hair would stand erect, he'd go into some he had all these symptoms of his extreme devotion, right? And people so he's like oh, I want I'm following him I want to also have those symptoms, and he was trying to generate those symptoms. Right, trying to get himself in that emotional state to cry or to, and we could probably do it, right? So I'm even going to chastise him, brother. What are you doing? Just get, just love God. Those things will happen. Mm-hmm. Takori didn't try to do those things. He was embarrassed by those things, mm-hmm. because it shows it brought too much attention. He just tell people. He tells sometimes his mother, go down, go go down, go down. He didn't want those symptoms. People could be too attracted and, and and too dramatic. Go down, mother, go down. When that when those symptoms began to manifest too much, he was embarrassed by them. Right, but still they come, right? So we're told by our my mentors, try not to show. Right? Still it will come. And if it comes in spite of your best effort not to dramatize your spiritual feelings, you don't have to feel bad about that. But otherwise, what happens also, like we get a little feeling, we dramatize it. What happens then? It's gone. The Shakti's been it's been wasted. Right? A real experience, but not but if you hold it, you try not to then you digest it. Right, you, it's like still sometime it comes, it bubbles over naturally, but if humility don't show up, but also you want to digest that feeling, you don't want to demonstrate your spiritual feelings at every time, right? <clears throat> and, and and also many people pretend, pretend, and also you can delude yourself to think, oh, look, I, I must be in spotty. Look what I experienced, right? It could be, could be a psych- psychological state, you know. Uh, one time, Swami Chaitanya tells a story. He had uh, uh, somebody living at his ashram, 
And in the middle of the dinner table, breakfast, he began to shake and like this. Because <laughs> what happened is all my kundalini is awakening. He says, go to your room, go to your room and lay down, right? Like, let your, trying to get him to calm down. Eat something, go lay down. Trying to bring his emotions down, right? But he went to quite, he's like, you know, like, oh, my kundalini is awakened. He says, no, I know the signs of kundalini. Right, these aren't the signs. You don't know. You're only saying that because you haven't experienced getting man to argue. One of the signs of Kundalini Wake is not arguing with your guru. It's not what the, the first, the first sign. <laughs> you know, it's like that's not the sign of Kundalini. It should make you humble, right? It shouldn't build up your pride, right? But sometimes you don't understand these experiences, so they're told, but they're and 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 they manifest because these bhavas, sattvika bhavas, manifest. There's many uh, uh, mysterious manifestations of high emotions, but we should be careful not to overly. Uh, encourage them, you know. Like, but when they happen, then we know that that, that the overflowing heart naturally. You think of God, you cry. But you shouldn't like wait till there's an audience and then like start talking about God and start crying. You know, because <laughs> then you get a hit from that, right? It's a dangerous hit, right? You, know, you you see, you, know, you yeah, exactly. It becomes and that type, those type of things. The thing is the reason it's compelling because those things do happen. Right, that is how somebody would like that. But you know, the great devotees we know, the greatest devotees we know, they barely show anything. They hide purposely hide. They go into seclusion. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. Well, the example we've quoted Srila Prabhupada several times, right? You know, but there's a because he's in my mind right now. Uh, but there's a in Allahabad where we we spend most of we're from Allahabad in a certain sense, right? And he gave these pandal programs all over India in their beginning years, right? In the Sadhu circuit. This is a the Torahs that were going on, all the Babas and the Sadhus, and the big bundle systems. Now they're still doing Bhagavad Gita and things like that. But now at that time he was part of it. And he'd always start the opening, his talk was this Jairada Madhava Kunjabiha, the beautiful song written by Bhaktura Thakur, his guru's father. Right? But in it is complete. Radha Madhava Kunjabi uh, Giri Gorvadan, the mountain, the, the gopis, Radha. The uh, Yamuna, Gorvadan, the forest, the cows, the complete picture of, of, of that. And so several times during this, he'd, he went into, you could say Samadhi, we'd interpreted Samadhi from the Ramakrishna tradition, but he lost, became overwhelmed and couldn't sing. But he's on stage, there's 10,000 people watching him, right? And nobody, the disciples, they don't, they're not accustomed to this, right? And so then he comes back and he says, Chantari Krishna, and he tells him, and he gets up and goes to his room. Because this is not—he's not trying to create a show like that. He just became overwhelmed by the, the, the picture presented in the song. But as an example, he just go to his room. He said, "Everybody, kirtan, do kirtan." He and he go. Somebody else would give a talk or something like that. Give a general talk. He didn't wasn't trying to show, right? But it was there. And so that's, that's one thing is that. And so the sattvika bhavas, and it says, sharing with one another with throats choked, hair standing on end, and tears flowing, they purify their families and the earth. Uh, uh, Purify their families, right? That's another thing. So, the whole family and lineage are purified. There's a verse in the Sutta Samhita. It goes, The clan is hallowed, mother made blessed, and the earth is rendered meritorious by the devotee whose entire mind has lost itself in the boundless ocean of Satchitananda. Very, very beautiful. Right, that means, that actually, why are the, why are the lineage purified? Why are we born? Why we take human? What's the purpose of human birth? Purpose of human birth is is love of God, is real God realization. In this body, it seems possible. I mean, we're the culmination of countless eight million foreign species of life birth. It says in the scriptures, before we get our first human birth, we've gotten eight million four hundred thousand yonis we pass through. So, it's so many wounds we pass through before we got our first human womb. 
right? Why? Right? Why? We, what are we coming in human body? It seems it's possible to realize God, to love God, to to find, to know, to think, contemplate the Source, the One. Right? That's the purpose of all our, not only our family of countless families, of every family. The purpose of human, of the human species, you could say, of all species. Purpose of evolution, the purpose of creation, is this. Right? When that happens, how the family, not, the purpose of the family lineages become satisfied. Mm-hmm. Right? Then the goal of life, the goal, the ancestors become pleased, right? automatically. Because actually it says, if you realize God, ten generations in both directions become liberated. Your descendants and your predecessors. You know, how to understand? That's what the scripture says. Good thing. Hmm? So actually, that means that, that your highest duty. Because people, people think, oh, we have a duty to our parents. We have duty to our ancestors, and we should do that. We should obey them, serve them, do shada when they die. All those things we have to do. But our, what's our real duty? To attain the purpose of our human birth. Even if they don't know what the purpose of our human birth is. If we attain it, they'll be blessed for sure. Right? That's a very important. Right? And then it says the very earth becomes purified. Right? So the greater the devotee, the greater the orbit of his purifying influence. So you look at holy places. Why is Dakshinishwar holy? Or the famous temple of Kali, but Ramakrishna did a sadhana there and preached there. You go all the holy places. They're all associated with some great saint. Right? That's what makes a tirta tirta. It purifies the very atmosphere. Right? You feel it. Right, even a temple. Why is this place holy? So many devotees have come here and prayed here. Right, the whole atmosphere. Everybody, every every devotee. Um, Usha always talks about it, it's like a bank. Right, you you add. Right, banks are very mysterious uh, uh, institutions. Right, because they shouldn't work. Right, you put your money in. Right, we put our money in. Like we we everybody's depositing here, but we pull out so much, and still the bank grows. Right, the bank makes money. And everybody is, is putting money and taking money out. There's a mysterious economy going. So you come here, you, everybody is depositing something. It's a building. But we're also getting something. <coughs> we can pull something. We all come and g- we come thinking we're pulling, but we're leaving something. Right? right? Uh, it's by volume, I think. Somehow or another, the mysterious trick of math that happens. Right? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, uh. This is how a temple works. A temple becomes holy. Sri Ramakrishna said a holy place is because of, of the prayers of so many bhaktas. That's what makes a holy place holy. Right. Otherwise, it's just a building. What's the difference between this building and the building next door? Right Here, countless devotees have sung and prayed to God. The other takes care of dogs. <laughs> right. Nice. Dogs also need care. But it's not the same purpose. Right. So it won't have the same vibration. Right. But if I told you, oh, when Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna went there, then all of a sudden you go there and you see, oh, this was touched by Sri Ramakrishna by a great saint. Right. All of a sudden that becomes a holy place. Any place, anything touched, and you know that's a mystery, right? So, uh, great saints, by speaking about God, they purify their family, they purify the atmosphere. Tirta kurvanti, tirtani. Tirta kurvanti, tirtani. Kurvanti, they make. They make a tirta, a tirta. Right? They make a holy place holy. Devotees, speaking about God and feeling these emotions, make a holy place holy. This is the line, right? It's a beautiful line. It's very clear. This is a clear description. Tirtani kurvanti tirti tirtat kurvanti tirtani sukharmani sukharmi kurvanti karmani. They make actions good. They make righteous actions righteous, you could say. They make works auspicious. Right? Because what is it? Saints show what is good work. 
right? They show you, they show us, and they demonstrate and they tell us what is auspicious work, what is work that's good. They make work good. They make places holy, and sat chastri kurvanti shastrani. They make scriptures holy. They make, they give scriptures their holiness. That can be interpreted many ways. One is because they're the ones speaking the scriptures. It's the words of the saints that become the scriptures. So they make scriptures, right? But also, scriptures are, they're the verse that says, the scriptures are a mixture of sand and sugar, right? So how do we separate? They'll tell us, like, like I can show you in the scripture that, this is an example, right? let's get the most dramatic, that this says in the scripture that the, the water that, a, that a, the, a woman's left toe has touched a water, that water, if we drink that, we become pure. How holy a woman is. There's another verse that says that, uh, that if a woman dares to chant the Vedas, she sh molten lead should be poured down her throat. Two very different verses. right? So how we, we look at the saints. What are they telling? They're telling you, all forms of the Divine Mother's forms, the ladies forms, the Divine these group like that. They're not emphasizing these ridiculous, absurd verses, right? Everything is mixed. The most horrible, the most horrible things are there, right? There's verses about the universality of everybody. There's verses on God forbid they're, they're, that you come in contact with some somebody of a different faith and you'll have to burn. You have to better commit suicide than than go into a Jain temple. There's statements like this. It's absurd, right? But but what are we supposed to take? Jain temples are right? bad. I love Jain temples, right? <laughs> right, but they're like, but they're like, what do you take, right? The verses, because they, they come and all, they're mixed, they're mixed. There's all kinds of things mixed into it. Not only good and bad. There's also the things that make, like, like, like for instance, there's there's verses in the Bible that all have sinned and fallen short of the God, turn the glory of God. The wage of the sin is death. Uh, those who believe in Him shall be saved. All, you know, it's like there's no other way but to the Father. But you know, but there's also verses. Right, that says the the uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and soul. I am divine. You, I mean, you can. Which ones do you choose? Right, right. The verses that, that talk love or the verses that talk hate. Right, both are there. You can't deny that that they're there. Right, because these are also written through human instruments and histor and hist and 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 the medium of history and changing culture. Right, it's different saints that spoke it different. So the saints show us where saint where the holiness in holy texts lie. Right, that's another. They speak the holy, but they all. That's another. And another one. There's three ways to interpret. There may be millions of ways, but three came to me. Uh, interpret how they make scriptures holy, is they prove the scriptures. Right, the scriptures say that God can be realized, God can be seen. Right. Well, we believe that, but we haven't experienced. Right. But what if somebody, the saints have seen God, or love God, or experienced God? They proof that the the the. The texts are true. They're the, they're the evidence. They make, they give the truth. Su uh, Shastriyaki. Shu also means good, true, right, correct. All, all these meanings. They prove the scripture is true. I know my own Guruji, uh, he was not a learned person. He didn't go to school. He left home very young, poor, uh, in villages of Bengal. He left home, extreme poverty. So he never went to school, right? And ever, really. He taught himself how to read and like he learned some basic things at home. Right, so he didn't know the scriptures. Nobody, he didn't like. We start like I, my thing. We all of us, we start. We buy, we buy the complete Sarva Vivekananda. We buy our Bhagavad Gita. We buy, you know, we buy. Then we try to study. Like, like, he never read Bhagavad Gita, 
right? And but sometimes he get Bhagavad Gita class. What we would do the kids of the ashram at school. They re- I, I remember one time I came back from the sangam. Guruji, when he was still living, was sitting on the bench, and a bunch of the boys are around, and he was listening to read Bhagavad Gita, right? And he was hearing, and then he was he was yes yes that I, I that's true. He was saying. Right. Yes, when I when under Guruji's grace I had that experience, I had that that that's a correct thing. He wasn't learning to he was he was seeing whether or not it matched his experience. Mm-hmm. Right. At, young, at age nineteen he had, at age twenty six he had his major breakthrough in his spiritual life after six, seven years intense austerity, right? And and and, and so he sees when he reads scripture, yes, oh yes, that's this, this is true because this matches my experience. Right. So how do you know the scripture is true? It matches the experience of the saints. How do you know a saint's experience of the truth? They match the description, testimony of the scriptures. It works both ways. Like the, the class of the fam- most famous example is Ramana Maharshi. Right? He, uh, uh, he, did, he didn't practice, he just woke up. He had some experience in internal meditation. He woke up to the self and was lost in the self for years. Later, he learned all the scriptures. Right? Because he, he learned them all, but he was already a, a realized person. Right, the scriptures, and then the ones he would suggest to people is the one that matched his experience. Yes, you should read Tripurahasya. That's a very accurate description of how the self manifests. You know, like he, he, like he, he, he was after his experience, right? So they're the proof of the scriptures, right? They make the holy things holy. Three more verses, real quick. Um, this is a beautiful tan mayaha. This is the shortest of the verses, the nicest verse. Tan mayaha. Tan means tat. Tat means that, or in 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 religion we would say him or her, right? But it means that the the the, the mayaha, filled, right? Those great devotees who speak only of God and whose hair stand on end to purify the atmosphere, they they're they're filled with that. Right, that's the sign that what's the, the a devotee is filled with God. Right, that's the best description of a devotee. They're filled with only that, tat mayaha, or tad mayaha, and with the sandhya. And then it says the ancestors rejoice, the gods dance, and the earth finds a good master. Right, ancestors we already talked about why they they are satisfied. The gods also dance. Right, who are the gods? The gods, the gods you can think of as faces of the one being, right, aspects of the one, or you can think of them in polytheistic terms as different deities, right, or you can think of them as the divine qualities of ourselves, like when the Chandni, the gods and the demons represent different aspects of ourselves, or the devas could also be the senses, that's also an an description, the senses are the, the devas, or the devas are the powers of nature, or the devas are souls that attain those states. Right, jivas who became different types of devas, all of them rejoice in all those categories with somebody who's attained this devotion. The, uh, the powers of nature rejoice. The, uh, 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 the senses become re- dance. Right, when you experience devotion, your whole senses become agitated and dance. Right, uh, 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 uh. even if they're great souls, that are, they're also think, oh, it's possible to attain realization. They all become everyone becomes happy. Right, and the earth finds su sa not. And the earth finds a good master. This could be that they get proper, you get leadership. It's not that. We're looking for such people. Who are our leaders? Who are our goals? Who are our gurus? Who are our saviors? Right? Like the Dalai Lama, you see him. On yeah, the you, see, you see, scale. he's these, the souls who've experienced this, 
Finally, when this happens, the gods dance, the ancestors uh, rejoice, because, and the earth rejoices. Because finally they have somebody to, to guide people properly. Right? Yeah, uh, Ramakrishna. Yeah, these are the people. We get like, Ramakrishna, Vivekananda. All these, these are, these are the, um, um, uh, 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 the gods rejoice. Mm. And then the final verse. Uh. And then, Nashti Teshu Jati Vidya Rupa Kula Dhana Kriyari Bhedaha. Nashti, not. Teshu uh, means in them. What's in these great souls? What's not in them? Jati, Vidya, Rupa, Kula, Dhana, Kriyadi, etc. Right? Jati means, Beta, Beta means difference. There's no difference. They don't see difference in what? Jati. Jati means caste. Vidya, education. Rupa, beauty. Dhana, wealth. Kriya, work, profession. And other, and like this. All these distinctions that we even base our entire society on, to a devotee has no meaning. They don't see this. These things exist, but they don't see it. Right? Uh, um, uh, what they're looking at. No, so, so like for instance, jati, that's a big one. Not in this country, but it's a big, big in Indian tradition, caste, right? It says in the scriptures, Kalu sudra sambhavaha. In Kali Yuga, everyone is born sudra. <laughs> Right, so we shouldn't be proud of. But how do we become Brahman? How do we become everything, anything else? By training, by quality, by realization, by initiation. Right, we're actually all born. So, so we start. We see everyone's born the same. Everyone's a common person. We make ourselves great, like this. Right, so that's one thing to see things. Right, but also you see uh, this idea of caste. We have Krishna on the shrine. Was he a Brahman? No, he's a Chatriya. Not even a Chatriya. He's a fallen Chatriya. He's doing. He's doing sudra work. Tending cows, right? What about Ram? He was a Chatriya. What about Kabir, right? What about Sordas? What about, you know? These are all these are these are these are they're born in untouchable families, and in if you from that perspective from that perspective, right? So you can see everyone bows to them. You see devotion to a great devotee. It's just, and also devotees don't see caste, and we don't see caste in devotees. So Sri Ramakrishna exactly says for for bhaktas there's no caste. He said like that for bhakta there's no caste. Right. Society has its rights to organize itself appropriately. You know, Indian society, in one way, our society organizes itself. Differently. That's a different thing. That's a culture different. It has its pluses and minuses, right? We can argue that, right? But for a devotee, we don't, devotee shouldn't see caste. And he also said, devotees make their own caste. There's a new caste called bhaktas, Thakur said. Holy Mother said many times, devotees, there's no caste. These two points. There's no caste amongst devotees, and devotees make their own caste. Right, so so you don't see right uh, caste, then uh, uh, vidya learning. You can have the brilliant orator, the brilliant scholar, the great saint, or it can be uh, 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 somebody with no education, no culture, a great saint. Right, we can see there's not these things doesn't matter. Rupa beauty, right, the most beautiful person, the most homely person. There's no difference. Dana wealth, well, definitely the richest and the poorest has no no meaning. And kriyadi the the uh, work, right? There's the, the, the in them no difference in caste, learning, beauty, family, wealth, profession, and so on are ever present, right? F- final two line two word verse. Yatas tadiyaha. Yataha tadiyaha. Yataha means because or since. Why is this? Tadiyaha. 
means also dhat, that means they're, they're his. Right? It means a devotee is, is, is we belong to God, there's no distinction. Right? We be, uh, because they are, another way to say it, to, because, to fill in a few missing words, they're because they're his own. Right, we all everything belong. We belong to God. To a devotee, think we belong to God. Everyone belongs to God. There's no, in this family, there's no distinction. We don't see it like that. So this is also one of the symptoms, right? But it's not. A, it's not evidence. People, there's people who don't think consider beauty, and wealth, and caste, and family, but that's a sign of their own stupidity, right? <laughs> not a sign of their their, their enlightenment. So I'm remembering there's a there's a scene in the life of Buddha. He has his he has his monks, and somebody asked Buddha, what caste do they belong to? And Buddha says, are you trying to get them married or something? <laughs> that question, you know, you have to ask somebody's caste when you're arranging a marriage, right? So it's like, but you should ask them, are they pure? Are they celibate? Are they selfless? Are they good in meditation? Not what caste they are. This has, that's a, it's a different world, Buddha, Buddha said. Right? If you're trying to get them married or something, that's another thing. Right? But for the, you don't ask a sadhu. You should ask them, not what caste. So a devotee, you don't ask what caste. You don't even ask where you go to school. I mean, the casual thing we can... These are just common things, but that has no, no meaning in the highest point. So thank you very much for your kind attention. Uh, uh, next week, yes, next week, uh, next week maybe the love final of the of the of the, um, uh, Devi, of the uh, Bhakti Sutra. I think next week probably, and it could be now all. We'd, what is devotion? What's the symptoms of devotion? What are the benefit? And this now it's some simple sadhana. What to do, how to worship, what should be the mood, what should be, what, what qualities, what are the good qualities we should develop and remove. The final thing is, is uh, descriptions on general sadhana for all devotees to help develop, to purify the mind and heart, focus, focus the mind, heart, and attain this Padma Bhakti, which is Padma Prema Surupa. Jai Sri Ramakrishna, thank you for your kind attention.